before each and every one of us, Lord God. I pray that we would get a revelation of the preeminent one, Jesus Christ, that our eyes might be fixed on it, Lord, that our mindsets might be transformed, that we would be conformed, not to this world, Lord, but that we would have the mind of Christ, that we would view things from the perspective of heaven, and Lord, that we would not be limited in our human understanding, Lord God. We thank you and give you glory and honor and praise today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, we're not going to get down into the minutia and all the detail of this passage. Just a couple of things that I want to highlight. Number one is the preeminence of Christ. The preeminence of Christ. I wanted to read the context of it, but I really want to focus on this preeminence of, of Christ and then talk about what that means to us. In verse 15, and this is one of the, this passage, verses 15 through about 20, is one of the greatest exaltations of Christ that we have in Scripture. It really magnifies Christ and who he is. It, it, it brings to, to, fact, to bear the fact that he is the preeminent one. And it starts out in verse 15 saying that he is the image of the invisible God. God is a spirit, right? God is a spirit. And if it weren't for Jesus, we would have no idea what he looks like. Martin Luther, the old church reformer, he said this. He said, if you want to see God, you must look in the face of Jesus Christ. It's consistent with scripture. The, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, I think it's verse 6 roughly, it says that God who commanded the light to shine in the darkness has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the light of the gospel that has shined in our hearts Revealing Christ Jesus to us so that we can see what our Heavenly Father looks like. Amen. Jesus came to reveal our Heavenly Father to us. And it, it says this in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It says, God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This tells us that Jesus is the express image, the exact representation. He shows us what our God looks like. That's who Jesus is. The second thing it says in this 15th verse is that he is the firstborn over all creation. Now, certain denominations uh, and cults, really, the Jehovah's Witness, for instance, they, they would use this to say that Jesus is a created being. That can't be true. Why? We'll see in the next verse why it can't be true. Because he created all things. Right? He is not a created being. Right? Jesus, we need to understand, is eternal. The Son is eternal. He's, he's been with the Father in heaven from the beginning. He is eternal without beginning or end. He's eternal. He is not a created being. So it has nothing to do with him being created. It's saying that God has given him the, the preeminence in creation. God gave him authority in creation. He is the firstborn over all. The words are right there in the text. He's the firstborn over all. In other words, God has given him Authority as a firstborn son in the house would have authority. The father has given Jesus the same authority over creation. Verse 16, for by him all things were created 
that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Right? All things were created through him and for him. And it says, whether these are things in heaven or on earth. Right? Jesus has created everything that we know in heaven or in earth. Things visible and invisible. That's speaking of things in the natural world and things that are spiritual. Christ created all. Whether they're thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. There is no government, human or spiritual, that wasn't established by Jesus. Right? That's why we don't have to fear any human institution. You know what? Every president... Every king and every spiritual power is subject to the authority of Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear. He is the preeminent one over all of these, the, these authorities. He is the, they, they all emanate from him. They all get their power from him. Any authority that's operating in the earth is only operating because Christ has allowed it. Think about it. What do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to fear? All things were created through him and for him. Amen? John, it's consistent with what the Gospel of John tells us. In John 1 and 3, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Everything has been created by Christ Jesus. And then in verse 17, he says, he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Again, he is before all things. He is the eternally existent one. Right? He has preceded all of creation. So he's preceded all things, and in him all things consist. How many of you guys are familiar with Louis, Louis Giglio? Anybody? A few hands going up. How many of you have seen his illustration of, I think it's called laminin? What is laminin? Laminin, and I'm not a scientist, I'm not smart enough to be cute or clever with this, but laminin is this, it's this little molecular structure that holds all of the world. Everything in the created universe is held together by laminin. This little microscopic element. And when you get laminin under the, the microscope, you know what it looks like? The cross. Amen? Even creation testifies to the glory of God. Everything is held together. If it weren't for Christ, we would all disintegrate and evaporate. He's holding everything that we know uh, together by his very existence, right? All, he was before all things and all things consist because of him. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in, that, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Got news for you. I'm not the head of this church. I'm the senior pastor at Return Church. I'm not the head of this church. I've got news for you. The Pope is not the head of the church. He's not. It's a lie. It's a deception. Christ is king. And no matter what the Pope says about abortion or marriage or government or anything, what Christ has said about it rules supreme. And his word is our authority. Christ is king. Amen? And he's over all. He is the head of the church. The Pope is not the head of the church. Chad is not the head of the church. You are not the head of the church. No matter how much you want to boss us around, you're not the boss. He's the boss. He's the head. Amen? 
You didn't die for me. He did. You didn't resurrect. He did. I didn't die for you. He did. The Pope didn't die for you. The Pope didn't resurrect. Only Jesus has. And he has preeminence in all things. First place, priority, authority, power, dominion. It all belongs to him and him alone. This is his church. It's not your church. It's not my church. I belong to it. It's his church. You belong to it. It's his church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the head over it. Amen? He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. In all things, he has the preeminence. Look at this, verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. We need to understand that Christ was fully man, but he was fully God. And it pleased the Father that, that he would put all of his fullness the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of all that God is, was vested in Christ Jesus. All authority and all power was placed in this man, Jesus Christ. Yet he walked humbly. You know, he could have overthrown that, that Roman uh, guard that came to take him away that day in the Garden of Gethsemane. He submitted, though, to the will of the Father. And he went to the cross because it was the will of the Father. Right? But all power and all authority was still within. Verse 20, and by him, God has reconciled all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Amen? Through Jesus, God has reconciled all things. What a powerful work the work of the cross was. Amen? What a blessed hope we have in this gospel that we preach. If this gospel was based on me or you, what a wobbly gospel we would have. Amen, but it ain't. It's based on the preeminent one, the one who was before all things and will be after all things, the one who is the first and the last, the author and the finisher of our faith, the alpha and the omega, the, the, the creator of this universe is the one who died on the cross for us. What a powerful, powerful gospel we have. What a glorious gospel. What a hope we have. Amen? This is why I keep saying get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up because there's an election coming. Don't get your hopes up because uh, inflation's down a little bit. Don't get your hopes up because of anything in this world. Get your hopes up because of our king. Get your hope up because of this kingdom that we have, that it cannot be shaken, that it cannot be moved, because it's not based in this world. It's based on the preeminent one. Amen. we got to get our hopes up. Get your hopes up. So what does it mean to us that he is the preeminent one? What does it mean to us? All right, let's look at it. Verse 21. So we just went through verses 15 through 20, really looking at the, the preeminence of Jesus. What does that mean to us then? Verse 21, and you, everybody say me. Anybody that used to be an alien in here, that used to be the enemy of God, that used to be bound up by the wicked works of your mind, you who were alienated and enemies in your mind, See, this is why we're talking about thinking. It's a change of mindset. It's a metanoia. It's repenting. It's changing the way we think from this world system to the, the kingdom of our God. Amen? 
We were bound up in our minds. We were bound up in our minds. Right? Yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If, everybody say if, if indeed, check it out, you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Amen? If you are not moved. See, we're, we're going back to the last couple messages. We, we've learned that these Colossians had begun to move away from the gospel of Jesus and accept the traditions of men. The rudimentary elementary teaching, the, the, the age, uh, teaching of the age, the spirit of the age, they were buying into it. And Paul was writing this letter to say, hold on, no, 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 no. Don't be tricked. Don't be carried away with these vain philosophies, but rather be rooted and grounded in Christ. That's the message to these people. Stick with Jesus. Don't be moved. Right? You're reconciled back to God. He's presented you holy and blameless and above reproach if you continue in this faith. Get grounded in it. Be steadfast in it. Don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Don't trade the gospel of Jesus and what he has done for you for the fables of men. Traditions. Rudiments of the world, self-help, self-improvement, right? For the Colossians, it was a Jewish asceticism, right? Climbing the ladder to heaven by rights, works of righteousness, self-righteousness. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. So maybe you're not caught up into Jewish asceticism. Maybe you're not trying to keep the law and the customs of the Jews like they were doing. But what are you doing? We're going we're gonna to really start to dive into this next week. What traditions are you involved in? What superstition have you got caught up in? What rudimentary, elementary things of this world have you bought into and traded for the gospel of Jesus Christ? No, 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 no. Church, our hope has to be in Christ, in Christ alone. He is the preeminent, preeminent one, and this gospel that we preach is the preeminent message. It's the word of God. It's the word of truth, and we will not depart from it. We will meditate on it day and night. We keep it front and center. Maybe Christ be glorified. Amen? If we'll do that, if we will not be easily moved from the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we'll just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, if we'll glory in him, if, if, if we'll just savor him and all that he has done for us, we will be blameless, holy, right? Upright, above reproach in his sight. See, church, setting your eyes on Jesus, beholding him. Going back to the words of David Cook, he taught us this at IBC. What does it mean to be a Christian? He, was, he said this is his response when people ask him that. What does it mean to be a Christian? To be a Christian means to behold Jesus, to become like him, and to beam forth his light. That's the totality of Christianity, to behold Jesus. It starts just like we, I, I quoted that, that, 
that passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, God who com- the same God that spoke in Genesis 1 and 1, let there be light. That same God who commanded the light out of darkness has shined light in our heart. Every one of us are here. If you're saved this morning, it's because God turned the light switch on in your heart and there was a revelation of Jesus. God who commanded the light to shine in darkness has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? And tied to that, and within the same context, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, as we behold Jesus, as we behold him, we are transformed, we are changed into his likeness day by day by the power of the Spirit of God. As we look into the word of God and we get revelation of who Christ is, right? Not cultural Jesus. Not the fanciful Jesus that our people, people in our, our age talk about, but Jesus of the Bible. When we get an authentic revelation of who Christ Jesus is, not the God of our own making, not the, the Jesus that we create that fits our belief system, not the Jesus that we, we create that fits our lifestyle. But when we come to him and say, you are Lord and you are supreme, I am not Lord, I'm not calling the shots anymore, I'm submitting to you, I'm coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ. When we submit ourselves to him and we look to him, transformation comes through our life. Every single day, transformation comes. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to what he says. He says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. We can move away from our sincere and pure devotion. It could be religion. It could be political theory. It can be philosophy. It could be witchcraft. It could be superstition. Here in a couple weeks, I'm going to bring my wife up here to talk about how superstition drew her away from Christ when she was a teenager and how God put that back in order. What will we allow to take us away from Jesus? What cheap substitutes, what wells will we draw from? Isn't that what God said in Hosea? The, the thing that I have against you is that you, you have drawn from these other wells and you haven't drawn from me the, the, the true source of all life, right? Christ is the only source of light and light, life, period. Listen, there, there is a trend in our culture in America today. Christian, quote, unquote, Ouija boards, witchcraft, deception you know what you need to discern your path thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path throw it out throw it in the trash heap set it on fire get rid of it that's just one mindset that's just one philosophy that's one one way we are hijacking and and being kidnapped and carried away from this gospel of jesus amen I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led away 
from the sincere and pure devotion to, to Christ. One translation said that you would be pulled away from the utter exclusiveness of Christ. Amen? He is the supreme one. Christ is utterly exclusive. He is God all by himself. Amen? And he goes on, he says in verse 4, if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we have preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with, uh, you, you put up with it easily enough. There's only one message, the gospel message, the message revealed from Scripture. And it's the only message that we need. See, here's, here's the picture. The serpent came to Eve. God, God gave command to, to Adam, right? You can eat of any fruit, any, eat fruit tree, ah, eat fruit from any tree in the garden except for this one tree. You know what he failed to do? He failed to disciple his wife. He failed to pass it on to his wife. And so the serpent comes along. Listen, they have communion with God. They have everyday fellowship with God. The Bible says that every day the voice of God came and walked with him in the garden. Think about that kind of communion and relationship. Here's what they, they did. They went and, and said, look, I know we have this over here with God, but I need more. That's what Satan deceived them into believing. God knows that if you eat the fruit of the trees, your eyes will be open and you will be as he is. And by the way, do you know what Satan's native tongue is? Lies. If his mouth is moving, he is lying. Right? I, had a, I was, we were doing outreach. I won't tell the whole story, but we were doing outreach. And this guy came up to me and he said, Satan told me this, this, and this. And I said, here's the problem. You're listening to a liar. It's hogwash, right? What more could we need outside of God, right? As Christians, he is our dwelling place. He is our all in all. That's what the Apostle Paul said. It's in him that we live and move and have our existence. Everything, our complete existence is in Christ and Christ alone. He's all that we need, amen? He's all that we need, Jesus so what does it mean for us? I'm going to go to the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. Let's look at the Great Commission. There are four alls in the Great Commission. Christ is the preeminent one, right? Are, are y'all not convinced yet? Christ is the preeminent one, am I right? Y'all in agreement, all right? The preaching has been okay so far? No heresy? Christ is preeminent? Everybody's good with that, right? All right. So what does that mean to us? He's the one with all power, right? What does it mean to us? It tells us in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority. Some authority? A little bit of authority. All authority has been given to me. In heaven 
and on Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus king on earth? Why do we fear human institutions? Why do we bow to them as, as though they are supreme? Why are we timid about preaching this glorious message of hope that we have when Christ is king? Christ is Lord over all. You used to hear him say, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. I believe the first. All power and authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of some of the nations. Of the nations that aren't hostile. Of the nations that aren't Islamic. All nations. If you do not have an all nations mentality, you do not have the heart of God. May God burn the nations of the earth in our heart and spirit that we would have a burden. Amen? Burden will change the way that you watch your news. When you see humanitarian crisis, you will stop getting angry and you will begin to be moved with compassion. We need to have compassion. We need a to the ends of the world mentality within the church. Right? When the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. We have to have that vision. If you don't have that vision, if that is not your heart, you don't have the heart of God. He's commanded us, go into all the nations. Now, I can't go to every nation on planet Earth, but I'm going to be as involved as I can in advancing the message of the gospel. Go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe some of the things that I've taught you. All. All. Church, let me encourage you, get, get familiar with the words of Jesus. If you don't know what Jesus taught, how can we teach what he taught? Get the word of Christ in your heart. Some of you all care more about what Elon Musk said than what Jesus said. Some of us care more about what Trump says than what Jesus says. Political figures, social media influencers, the latest, greatest philosopher. Why do we give their words so much weight and merit? The words of Jesus, period. As my wife says, full stop. The words of Christ. That's where the authority is at. That's where the power is at. There ain't no power in political ideology. There ain't no power in philosophy. There ain't no power in your human traditions. There ain't no power in your vain religion. There's only power in the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to do his work, to teach what he taught.
right? Go to all nations and teach all things that I have commanded you. And here's the great, greatest part of it all, the greatest promise. Lo, I am the last all. I am with you all ways, even to the end of the age. Church, what do we have to be afraid of? Everywhere that we go, every place that our foot treads, every nation he calls us into, every neighborhood you go into, every addiction facility that you go into witness, every place you tread, every place your foot steps, he is with you always, even to the end of the age. He's the preeminent one, amen? And he's given us a preeminent assignment. We need to get a preeminent mindset. May God help us to get rid of our stinking thinking. We need a better way of looking at it. You know, we, we have a defeatist mentality. This world's going to hell in a hand. If that is your view on this, you need to read your Bible more. I promise you, this world is not falling apart. It is falling into place. The plans and purposes of God are moving in this earth. The church is victorious or Jesus is a liar. Amen? Do you not believe when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? Do you not believe when he said, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age? What do we have to be afraid of? What are we worried about? Who cares what's going on in governments and economies? Who cares about it? We are not part of that kingdom. We are part of a kingdom that is immovable and unshakable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. It doesn't matter what economies are doing. We're on an assignment. It doesn't matter what governments are doing. We're on an assignment. It doesn't matter what the school board says. We're on an assignment. It doesn't matter how much they ridicule us and persecute us and mock us and chide us and berate us. We are on an assignment from the preeminent one, the one who has all power, all authority, all wisdom, all might is his. What do we care? Amen? You know what would help us more than anything? Understanding the preeminence of the love of God towards us. And the preeminence of the love of God towards humanity. If we could get that mindset, the preeminent mindset of his love for us, his creation, and this lost world, we'd stop cursing it. And we'd start blessing it. Amen? We need a better look, outlook. We need a better hope. We need a better expectation. We are not losing we're not. We will not. I've read, I've seen the, just if you know, what do they say? Spoiler alert. There is a spoiler. The Bible tells us how it's all going to end. We win. We win. We win. Jesus wins. Those who are on Jesus' side, we win. Even if they cut our heads off, we win. We win, period, full stop. We are a victorious people. We need to elevate our stinky, thinky brains. I'm almost done, but not quite. Think on these things. Elevate your thinking. Get a preeminent mindset. How do we do that? Philippians tells us, right? You knew I was going to go there, didn't you? Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, politics aren't very true or noble, whatever things are just, 
This world system is not very just. Whatever things are pure, our culture is not very pure. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Man, there's so much good things going on. That's why I love talking about talking to missionaries. I love to talk about missionaries because I hear about how Amy Crabtree's saving babies. Haven't even opened their clinic yet, and they've already pulled a dozen babies out of those abortion clinics and saved their lives. Amen. Glory. We win. Amen. I love talking about how the, the Mortimers went into Peru, a place where you don't go some 40 years ago, took boats down the Amazon, hostile Indians and people, fear of, of death. And they went in there and they have established a beachhead where they're now landing airplanes and driving boats up and down the Amazon and taking the gospel to unreached people. We win. We win. There is so much more good than CNN wants you to know about and MSN and Fox News and uh, your Facebook. Uh, what do they call those people? The uh, fact checkers. Fact check this. We win. Fact check this. Jesus is king. Fact check this. He is the preeminent one. Fact check this. We are a victorious people. Fact check this. We are an unstoppable force. Fact check this. We are a people that need a preeminent mindset because we serve a preeminent God who says, all power and authority has been given unto me. Go into all the nations and teach them everything that I've taught you, and I am with you even to the end of the age. Stop thinking about all the negatives. Stop, oh, doom and gloom. Make me want to cry. Yeah, there's all kinds of nonsense moving in this earth, but the kingdom of God is advancing. His truth is marching on. Think on the good things. Think on the things that are true. You know how you do that? Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. We need a new focus. Focus on Jesus because he's true. Going back to Philippians 4 and 8. Think about Jesus because he's honorable. Think about Jesus because he's just. Think about Jesus because he's pure. Think about Jesus because he's lovely. Think about Jesus because he's commendable. Think about Jesus because he is excellent. Think about Jesus because he is worthy of praise. Think about him because he is good. Amen? If you'll do that, you will get a preeminent mindset. You won't be pulled down into the mud and the muck and the mire and the doubt and the disappointments and all of the delusion and confusion. Think about Jesus. I want to tell everybody in this, you need to hear this. Everybody needs to hear this. Humble yourself. We all need to, I need to hear this this morning. No matter how big your view of Jesus is, it is too small. He has all power, all might. We can't even comprehend it. Let me, let me explain this to you. Think about the power grid in the United States of America. Think about how electricity gets to every single business and every single home and every single highway and every single streetlight. Think about the power grid. Think about the power behind that system. You know what? We can measure it by kilowatts and measurements beyond that. We know exactly how much power it takes to power America. But we can't even begin to comprehend the power of our God. What's more powerful than that? What about, what about nuclear energy? Well, they, they can measure, I don't even know how they do it, but they can measure the power of these A-bombs and the, the power of nuclear force. But we can't measure our God and the power of his might. 
How about a tornado? Right? Category one, category two, category four. The most powerful thing you can name on this planet can be measured. But we cannot measure the power of God. We cannot. He is preeminent over all creation. He's more powerful than the nuclear power. More powerful than all electricity on the planet. More powerful. That electrical grid only consists because he holds it together. What do we have to be afraid of? Why do we think so low when our God is so great? He's awesome and powerful. One last scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. We preached this about four or five weeks ago. I do not cease, verse 16, to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Who? Jesus. Right? He's praying. He said that, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. In other words, may you get a greater revelation of Christ and who he is, right? The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Number one, the hope of the calling. Get your hopes up. We've got a great calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's number two. And number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. And now that power is working in us. Amen? Just fathom Try, if you would, the, to, to imagine the exceeding riches of his great power. It exceeds all electrical power that we know, all nuclear power, all of the, the, the forces of, our, of weather and mother nature. Our God's power is exceedingly above all of that. It, it, all of that is held together by him. And that power, church, I'm trying to tell you and convince you this morning, is working on the inside of us. It's time for us to realize what we have. We ha That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. It says, when, we, when he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, it's the power of God. It's the spirit of Jesus Christ. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, it will quicken your mortal body. It will make you alive. It will change you. It will transform you. It will make you a supernatural human being. Amen. I'm going to promise you this. Try it. Start gazing on Jesus and watch how it transforms every aspect of your life. You have a hard time witnessing, just get a focus set on Jesus. You think about his goodness. Think about how lovely he is. Think about how he redeemed you. Think about how he died on the cross for you and he rose up out of that grave and he has ascended to the right hand of the Father in glory. He is seated at the right hand of the Father today making intercession for you. 
I love that quote. I wish I could pull it up real quick by uh, McShane, the old Scottish preacher. He said that uh, if, if Christ were in the next room praying for us, we would need fear nothing. And indeed, he is praying for us. Indeed, he is praying for us. What do we have to fear? The preeminent one is praying for you. The preeminent one is with you to the end of the age. The preeminent one is working on, a, on the inside of us. We need to change our little pea brain mindsets and cultivate a preeminent mindset by focusing on the preeminent one, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the triumphant one who has conquered death, hell, and the grave, defeated all of our enemies. He is victorious. We are victorious. Let's go change the world. Let's go reach a neighborhood. Let's go reach a city. Let's go reach a nation. Let's go touch the nations of the earth. Let's go do what God has called us to do. Let's be salt and light because that's who we are because the preeminent one lives on the inside of us. Can we stand together? Glory. Glory. Father, in the name of Jesus, lift your voice. We worship you. Declare his glory. We honor you. Come on, church. Let's make much of Jesus. Come on, give him praise that he's worthy of. High praise. Without a worship team, let's exalt the Lord. Father, we exalt you. We set our eyes upon you, Lord God. Come on, church. We worship you. We honor you. We magnify you. We declare that you are Lord and King. Lord, if you are for us, who in the world can be against us? What shall we say to any of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who in the world can be against us? Lord, forgive us for taking up idols. Forgive us for taking up vain traditions and religions. Forgive us for taking up objects. Forgive us for taking up uh, traditions and, and systems and self-improvement. Lord, we lay it all at your foot. We lay it all before you, O oh God. You are our God. You are our King. And we will give glory to no other. We will not draw from cisterns that give no life. We come to you, the fount of eternal life. All hope springs from you. All joy comes from you. All peace comes from you. All power and all dominion is yours and we acknowledge it today. Lord, we say you are Lord. You are God. And you are King. Let's say that. You are Lord. You are God. And you are King. Father, in the name of Jesus. I believe you desire to do a work in the church. 
Your word says you're coming back for a church that is without spot or blemish. Father, we humble ourselves before you today. We say you are the Lord of the church. So oftentimes we have adapted doctrines that are contrary to your word and we become entrenched in them and we have divided over them. Father, today we humbly submit ourselves before you. Lord, I pray that from your presence there would emanate a, a true doctrine that would unite us as a people, that would unite us in this community with other churches that are seeking you and serving you. Father, I pray that you would tear down walls of denominationalism and the divisiveness that has gripped the United States of America. I pray that you would pull down the idols of philosophy and politic and morality and all these idols that we have built up above your word and above your very person. May you eliminate humility from, or, or arrogance from us and make us a humble people. The word says that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Lord, let us humbly come together Father, your word says that you gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, till we come to a likeness of the full stature of Jesus Christ. That we would not be children tossed to and fro by winds of doctrine but that we would come together in the unity of the faith. There's only one faith. There's one God, one Lord, one Father who is above all and through all and in us all. There's only one baptism. Father, I pray that you would slay every spirit of superiority, religious superiority that's in us. That we would humbly submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that you, by the power of your spirit, would lead and guide us every single day. Father, I thank you for it and I give you praise for it today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I think the majority of us in this room are familiar with the words of Jesus. It, I, I'm convicted, just been praying this, to say this to us as a church. It's time for us to begin to go and do what Jesus said to do. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Go the second mile. It's time for us to pick up the teachings of Jesus and go forward. Religion won't work. But finding Jesus, becoming like him, and beaming forth that light will change the world.
Amen? Listen, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if you haven't been born again, I want you to walk down the aisle. I'm going to dismiss, but if you want to become a follower of Christ, I'm going to stick around here. I would love to pray with you. Amen? Church, you guys are dismissed.